London, New York, Barcelona. Today from Ireland, you can fly to almost any place. But what if you could fly to any time? If you could experience events that change the world, if you could meet the people who lived through history, would you do it? Welcome to a new series of Time Travels, the programme where we explore the past. Are you ready? Fasten your seatbelts. It could be a bumpy journey. OK, we've landed, and it looks like we're in Italy at the time of the Renaissance. Oh, this rain is endless. Come, come, there's space to shelter here in the doorway. You don't look at all like you're from these parts. You must be a tourist, I suppose. Welcome to Florence. We usually have much nicer weather. While you're here, you must make sure to visit some of our beautiful churches. I'm supposed to be at my friend's house by now, but I cannot arrive drenched. She'll just have to wait. There's been a bit of excitement, and all to do with the late artist Leonardo da Vinci. Have you heard of him? Bit of an oddball, if you ask me. Anyway, he died a few years ago, and apart from many unfinished artworks, he left behind a lot of notebooks and journals, some of which have just been published, and everyone's talking about them. But believe it or not, I actually saw these papers some years ago. A friend of my husband was bequeathed them by the artist himself, and for a long time they simply sat in his home and he did nothing about them. He once showed them to us, asked us what we thought, but I could make neither head nor tail of them. Leonardo da Vinci had a lot going on in that head of his, it seems. Did you know that he actually wrote backwards, as if looking in a mirror? The papers were very peculiar indeed. One thing I was a little alarmed by was the fact that Leonardo da Vinci spent a lot of time drawing people's bodies, all inside out and rather disgusting. And he had strange designs for newfangled contraptions that he had thought up, like shoes that you could wear to walk on water, and wings like those of a bird. He actually had some idea for a flying machine, if you can imagine something as absurd as that. The thing is, although I do, of course, admire the man's artistic talent, and it cannot be denied that he was a marvellous painter, I do wonder if he was not a little, you know, off his rocker. I have it on good authority that he never ate meat. <laughs> Can you believe it? He would not eat animals. Only vegetables, and I cannot see how that can be healthy or sensible. And it's common knowledge that he would often buy caged birds, only to release them into the wild. Very odd behaviour. Anyway, my dear friend will be amused to hear of the journal's publication, as she actually met the artist on more than one occasion. She said he was rather eccentric, of course, 
that he would neither rest nor eat while he was working on a project. Then he would take two or three days off and disappear completely. And she actually had the opportunity to see him working. Because when her second child was born, her husband commissioned da Vinci to paint her portrait. I must say he did a lovely painting. It really does look like her. And I said to her, Lisa, he has managed to capture that mysterious smile of yours. Mark my words, many years from now, people will be admiring this painting and wondering about you. <laughs> Lisa laughed, of course. She's very modest. But I do believe that there's something quite special about that portrait. Oh, it looks as if there's a break in the clouds now, so I'm going to make a run for it. It was nice to speak to you. I do hope you enjoy Florence. I think we should find out a bit more about the Renaissance. Ask an expert. My name is Quiva McNamara and I work in the Education Department at the National Gallery. What was the Renaissance? Well, when you think of the Renaissance, you have to, first of all, look at the word Renaissance and what that means. It actually means rebirth. And uh, so it was a time between a, a period in history that is referred to by historians as the Middle Ages. And before the Middle Ages, you had a period where the, you had the Roman Empire. And um, during the Roman Empire, there was a great interest in learning. Um, before that, again, you had the, what was referred to as ancient Greece. And the Greeks were very interested in um, philosophy and mathematics. And, of course, the Romans, of course, did conquer Greece. And they were, then took that knowledge with them to Rome. And the Roman Empire did flourish. But in the 5th century, the Roman Empire came to an end. And we have what is known as the Middle Ages, which is... When you think of it this way, it's been in the middle between the Roman Empire and the Renaissance. So it was a period of about 800 years. But during that time, the drive, I suppose, for information in terms of kind of the study of science and uh, humanities, which is the study of different cultures, um, didn't really flourish. So the Renaissance then was a sort of a return to that type of study, studying the sciences, mathematics, cultures. And, of course, that just fed into, uh, into, the, into the arts. Uh, so that was it, rebirth. They're just kind of going back to looking at older cultures. Where and why did the Renaissance begin? Well, the Renaissance, when you think of the Renaissance, you have to think of Italy. And uh, so we spoke about the Roman Empire before. And I suppose you have to think of Italy as a place that was broken up into various different little kingdoms. So it's not like the Italy we know today. And one of the, one of the kingdoms was Florence. And Florence was, uh, you know, was a city-state. It was run by, the, the, by uh, important wealthy families at that time. And um, when, I suppose, interest began in antiquity, as these families began to uh, become patrons of uh, this new type of, new type of, kind of research and, uh, and, and the arts. So really Florence became was the, a very important centre in the uh, early Renaissance and a lot of the... Uh, Great artists that we, we, we refer to as Renaissance artists came from that came from that place. So that's really where you could say it started. 
If you're talking about antiquity, I suppose you're talking about doing some research and study of things that have gone long before. So in um, the 1300s in Florence, the uh, scholars were looking at, I suppose, ancient Greece and then uh, and then Rome. I suppose they were interested in the arts at that time as well. You know, the 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 art in the Middle Ages that we refer to then um, was quite flat and. Um, what the what uh, the uh, what was happening in antiquity, of course, is that they were great artists. That we'll never know who they were, but they were producing sculpture, and uh, that was had a great likeness to to the human body. You know, so the the um, there was a great interest in in what a person looked like and to depict that as it was. So that was the kind of thing that artists were kind of looking at, looking at kind of the the the, the body. So that was the, so really studying the old sculptures and the old. And, and the old writings, so that's what we refer to as that. And then a patron is somebody really who um, supports that kind of. They, they, normally, you would support it financially, and that still happens today, where you could have people who give money to an organisation or an institution or or an artist, as uh, so to give them an opportunity to develop their their craft. Why did the Renaissance spread throughout Europe? Well, the Renaissance, like I said, started in Italy, but then, of course, it's it's it, it spread through other uh, city states, and then as the, um, I suppose, before the fifteenth century, it, it was really confined to Italy. But then, um, if you're going into the, this was the fifteen hundreds, um, it uh, became of interest to other kingdoms. So, the King of France at that time kick-started, I suppose, what was the French Renaissance, simply by buying Renaissance paintings. And it just spread like that and spread across Europe. So you hear the term Northern Renaissance, so the low countries, um, like they were, were, um, we had artists who had studied the the masters from the, Re- the Renaissance period and then produced works themselves. So some of the, the big figures there would be artists like Rembrandt. So it simply just spread who are the most famous people from the Renaissance? Well, uh, I suppose that is a, a matter of debate, but um, I would say that an important figure in the Renaissance early on was um, with the, a family who were very important, with the Medici, Medici who were the um, patrons of the arts in Florence in, uh, early on. Um, an early, early Renaissance artist who was very important would be Giotto and Paolo Uccello, Uccello was important because he developed the idea that paintings should have the illusion of having depth, you know, so he had the, uh, he was doing a lot of research on perspective. So that was something that artists then developed as the years years went on. So from the early Renaissance artists, you, you have then high Renaissance artists. So you're talking about people like Michelangelo, again, Florentine sculpture, David would be his most famous work. Uh, or one of his most famous sculptures, you have, of course, the um, Sistine Chapel as well. And then, of course, maybe the the person, that's, the artist that everybody knows about, and that's Leonardo da Vinci. He would be, I suppose, described as a Renaissance man, and what that means is that he was a polymath. He was um, a master in so many fields, like mathematics, architecture. He, um, he was an inventor, but also a great painter. So the Mona Lisa, I suppose, in our, is a painting that might um, jump out there. I would include Raphael, the artist as well, who uh, painted a very key work, a fresco, uh, called uh, The School of Athens. And again, just shows that what the Renaissance is all about, which was the study of what 
the ancient Greeks were doing. Um, so I would say they were the key people. What changes did the Renaissance bring? Well, the Renaissance really had a, a long uh, lasting influence, I suppose. It was the beginning of exploration, you know. So during the Renaissance period, we had the invention of the, the printing press, which was huge. And that is the equivalent to the invention of the internet, or you know, even greater, because that meant that uh, books were cheaper and more readily available and more people were, were educated. And uh, with this new knowledge came exploration. So people started exploring different parts of the world. The Americas were discovered. And um, that is still, still going to, to this day, really. You know, more innovation, more exploration. Uh, that has really led to people going to the moon. You know, that's, it's just there's been a continuation of, of sciences, of, um, you know, the, the people in the, during the Renaissance period, people were looking at anatomy. We had the, the great um, astronomers were during the Renaissance period. You have um, Copernicus and, and, uh, and Galileo. So, so much study and so much knowledge was, was started, kick-started during that time that we're still, we're, we're still using today. Anatomy would be the study of the human body. And before, I suppose, the Renaissance period, people had a very limited knowledge of the inner workings of the body, and uh, so a lot of study was begun at that time. Astronomy then is the study study of the, the stars, and uh, so this idea that the Earth um, run, uh, went around the sun, people before that in the Middle Ages would have thought that the, the Earth was in the middle of the universe, which is now not true, so that's the, the, the idea was put across, that it was revolved around the sun and that it rotated on its own axis. Why was the Renaissance important? The Renaissance is a key time, I suppose, in, in European history. I suppose uh, when you look at, the, the, at art and architecture, I mean, architecture really flourished because they were looking at, I suppose, antiquity and there was a lot of discoveries as well during that time where you had, um, you know, the discovery of Pompeii and Herculaneum and the, that kind of classical architecture now was being, being brought back uh, into um, and, and built in cities. And uh, so during the classical period, of course, that um, uh, like in Rome, people had the means of building these great buildings, while in the, in the was referred to the Dark Ages or the Middle Ages, um, that kind of knowledge was lost, but that knowledge was regained again. And um, it was all about kind of regaining knowledge and it highlights the important, importance of, of study and research that it's not all about kind of getting good results in the exams, it's... it's really kind of expanding your own knowledge. And, of course, when you do that, you don't know what kind of doors will open. Did you know that one of the most famous paintings of the Renaissance, the Mona Lisa, has no eyebrows? Weird, but true. Here in the National Gallery of Ireland, Cuevan Macanumra is going to show us some paintings. So we're now currently in the bite wing of the National Gallery of Ireland and we're standing beside some paintings from the early Renaissance. Um, some really nice examples of works from between, I suppose, the mid-15th century and uh, we're going to look at works then from the mid-16th. Okay, so this is, I suppose, what you would call an example of a painting, maybe, that would have been depicted before the Renaissance. And uh, this is a painting that's painted on wood, and um, it's got very little rendering in it. Uh, it's quite flat. What we're looking at is just uh, Christ on the cross, 
and uh, we have St. John and the uh, Virgin Mary just on, on both sides, but I suppose there's very little idea that there is uh, depth in it, be more two-dimensional work. Okay, so we're standing in front of a painting called Rest uh, on the Flight into Egypt with the infant John the Baptist, and it's by the uh, painter Francesco Granacci. And what we're looking at is the meeting of Christ and John the Baptist on the road out of Bethlehem towards Egypt. And of course, they were on their way there because of the Massacre of the Innocents. And this is a, a meeting that happened, and we have... Um, the Madonna and Child, because the child is, is on, her, on her knee, and then uh, a slightly older child here, which is St. John the Baptist, with uh, a little cross in his hand. It is very much like a sculptural piece, in a way. You can imagine this as a, as a statue, the way the, the composition is. It's almost like... Um, I, I think they describe it as kind of like a pyramid, you know, where you have the Madonna, then you have the, the child... Um, but you can see a lot of the figures, okay, just from one perspective, from one angle. So again, that they're, the artist is really just showing because his ideas and his kind of research into perspective and, and showing, uh, showing real life. He emphasises that a bit more when he's painting, I suppose, St. Joseph there in the background with the donkey, and uh, just to show that he is a little bit further back maybe from our main people here in the in the painting he is a lot smaller so that's again just showing that he's interested in uh, perspective and uh, you can see then in background again more to the left of canvas you have people going about their business you know in the river um, and you have somebody walking on a roadway here with a dog and they're very very small so they're, they're further back again and then even further on the hill there you have houses and some uh, animals there on the hill. So just, again, just giving that idea that if it's smaller, it's further away. Some of the most famous artists of all time lived during the Renaissance. One of these artists was a man called Michelangelo di Lidovico Buonarroti Simoni. You would know him simply as Michelangelo. Michelangelo was born on the 6th of March, 1475, in Florence, Italy. He was one of five brothers, and his mother died when he was young. Michelangelo's father sent him to school in the city of Florence, but Michelangelo had little interest in his studies. Instead, he wandered around the many churches, copying the beautiful paintings into his sketchbook. Before long, he had his heart set on creating wonderful artwork himself. At this time, the Renaissance had begun, and Florence was a place of great learning where art was considered to be very important. So, Michelangelo was in the right place. When he was 13 years old, his dream came true. He became an apprentice to a man called Domenico Ghirlandaio, who would teach him everything he knew about being a painter and an artist. It was soon clear that Michelangelo had a great talent and after a year, a very wealthy family called the Medici gave Michelangelo a place at their academy. The academy was where many artists trained. It was there 
that Michelangelo had the opportunity to work with a sculptor called Bertoldo di Giovanni, learning everything he could and producing beautiful sculptures. In 1496, Michelangelo moved to Rome. This is where he created one of his most well-known sculptures. It is called the Pieta and shows Jesus after he was crucified, lying on the lap of his mother Mary. It is a heartbreaking scene and extremely lifelike. It now sits in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome and many people from all over the world visit it every day. Michelangelo then created another sculpture, which was also very realistic. The statue of David was based on the biblical story of David, a warrior, who defeated the monster, Goliath. The statue shows a naked young man, David, staring ahead fiercely as he is about to slay the monster with a sling. Michelangelo had spent some time studying the anatomy of the human body, and so, like the Pieta, David is very lifelike. Apart from the fact that he is over four metres tall and made of marble, you might think that he was real. The statue originally stood in a piazza, which is an Italian name for a public square, in Florence, but it is now in the Academy of Fine Arts. Both David and the Pieta are thought to be two of the finest sculptures of all time. One of Michelangelo's most famous achievements was the painting of the Sistine Chapel. In 1505, he was invited by the new Pope, Julius II, to paint the ceiling of the chapel. The Pope wanted a fresco of the Twelve Apostles from the Bible. Michelangelo was reluctant to undertake the work because he considered himself to be more of a sculptor than a painter. Eventually, he would only agree if the Pope would allow him to paint the ceiling in his own way he decided on a much more complicated piece of art, with many scenes from the Bible and over 300 different characters, all painted in vivid colours. This took Michelangelo four years to complete, and he worked alone. The most famous scene in the fresco is called The Creation of Adam, and in it, Adam is reaching out to nearly touch God's hand. Michelangelo was a man of many talents. Not only was he a painter and a sculptor, but he was also a poet, an engineer and an architect. Michelangelo's most famous architectural work is the Dome of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He died in 1564, before the dome could be completed, but he left plans for the next architect to finish it and the dome is now considered to be one of the most spectacular monuments of Christianity. Luckily, Michelangelo left behind many journals, so we know a lot about his life. As he was so talented in many different areas, he is often called a Renaissance man, much like another great person, Leonardo da Vinci. Home sweet home, and the airport is just as busy as ever. And like I said, you can fly to almost anywhere or any time. So, where do you want to go next? 
This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.